My name is Michaela Goad, and Thinket, my name is 18, and I am the author-illustrator of Berry Song. Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Travis Yonker. Back in June, I sat down with Michaela Goad to discuss her latest book, Berry Song. It's the first book she's both written and illustrated. In this episode, Michaela takes us through the evolution of Berry Song, from inspiration to final art. We also talk about her Caldecott medal-winning book, We Are Water Protectors, written by Carol Lindstrom. And, of course, what it was like getting the call, informing her that she'd won the most prestigious prize in picture books. So let's begin. It's time to unravel Barry's song. It is a lot of layers in, in one book. Um, it is a love letter to Ani. It's a love letter to where I'm from, where I grew up, where my ancestors have always existed. Um, it's about berry picking, but it's also about so much more. A uh, grandmother and a young girl journey into the forest, over the ocean, uh, to adventure for wild berries, or tleik. And um, through their journey, they explore and through the seasons they explore their kinship with each other and with the land and they really deepen this connection and intergenerational wisdom is passed down from one generation to the next and it has this sort of full circle ending yeah in the beginning it started as oh gosh such a different such a different story and it was way more general and it had this uh just theme of listening to nature, which as a first time author, uh, I think having that sort of nice general approach seemed appealing. But then as I started to write, I realized I had no idea where I was going with it. I was trying to be too grandiose and um, a little bit didactic and just like it didn't feel right for children. Uh, and then I had this inspiration while thinking about a Sengate euphemism for death, which is walking into the forest. And so I had this idea of a grandmother who walks into the forest and a young girl sort of coming to terms with that through something they used to do together, or berry picking. Uh, and then I had this element of the potlatch, or a kuich, which is a memorial, and usually one of the, the most treasured shared gifts are wild berries. So I had this these little complex layers to it but then it became more of a grief book which I didn't necessarily want Um, so we had to do lots of editing and it became just uh, this book about berry picking on the surface level but about a lot more Um, and in in the end we sort of infer that she's the grandmother has walked into the forest Um, but it didn't make it about that. I mean, I already had a lot of respect for picture book authors, but trying to actually distill all of these ideas down, it was just so much harder than, than I thought. Uh, just that chipping away at the core and having to say goodbye to certain things that he really wanted and, and just uh, keeping the, the good of the story at the, you know, at the forefront of your mind so that even if that means cutting things, uh, that was really hard, but... It was ultimately an incredibly rewarding experience. It was sort of like coming home for me. I, I got my start illustrating uh, 
picture books with one of our local Native organizations. So it was Native stories by Native people for Native people. It was a regional audience. I had no idea how to illustrate picture books or anything about the form, the art form. But because it was based in Southeast Alaska, stories I knew, I've grown up hearing places I knew, I was able to really um, still anchor into the, the books and find my way. And then I started working with bigger publishers and working with authors from indigenous, different indigenous nations, and it sort of expanded, and I learned a lot. And then with Berry Song, I was able to come home and, and bring all of that, uh, that experience back with me. Um, and I just learned so much. You know, you just follow your curiosities, and even as we encourage children to read all these different books, make connections with the real world, then bring it back into the story again, time after time, just to deepen those connections. Like I was doing that too. And berry picking was something I'd grown up doing, have always loved doing, but I even just really deepened that relationship um, for myself working on this. I started with text and surprisingly, I, I thought I would be sort of doing both at the same time, um, but nothing really popped into my head all that much visually, or I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't let it. <laughs> I don't know, because it was changing so much. It never, for a long time, it never, or the text just didn't feel like it was coming together. So I didn't want to get too far into the art. Um, but the editing process was way, it's just way different than when you're the author or the illustrator, uh, because you can change text. And if certain things aren't working in the art, you can go back and change the text. And so it's, this, uh, it's way more, um, I guess, nebulous and, and almost like never-ending sometimes uh, versus when you're the illustrator. It's fun because you get these limitations and you're sort of put with these restrictions and the, the fun and the creative challenge is pushing against that and finding the story within that. Um, so sort of setting those limitations on yourself when it's your author-illustrator work uh, is part of the challenge. I've always been really drawn to picture books, of course, but any art form that has really evocative, strong world building. And I can remember lots of things as a kid, video games, computer games, animated movies, picture books. I don't remember necessarily everything about the plot or the characters or anything like that, but setting and mood was always, I think, really important to me uh, or something that hooked me as a child. Uh, so I think with, with all of the books that I work on, um, place is really important, setting, especially of course when you're working with indigenous authors, you know, land is very central um, to a lot of cultures and uh, identities as indigenous peoples. I mean, I can't speak for all and each nation is very unique and distinct, um, but that seems to be a common theme. Um, so I think I wanted children to sort of enter this book and have it feel almost like a, a portal while still being rooted in, in reality and not it's not like it's fantastical necessarily but I think uh, I love to focus on the sense of wonder and awe um, with you know what we call the natural world or the land and curiosity uh, and then I just really hope children walk away feeling a sense of belonging or like an understanding of the importance um, of just being of belonging to a place and uh, you know in Tlingit we all of our identity systems our clans naming everything is based on the land so it's 
we name ourselves after the land, we don't name the land after us type of thing. And I think so many people yearn for that strong connection to home and place, and I think we can all find it. Uh, and so maybe they don't relate to this particular location, like Southeast Alaska, the, the Tongass National Rainforest, where I set a very song, but they might be encouraged to find that wherever they are or learn more about that. I felt a lot of pressure early on with this one because I was beginning the art, uh, I mean the text was already in place for the most part, but I was beginning the art as the Caldecott news sort of broke in 2021 and so it was caught very off guard and um, it swept away in this Caldecott craziness and very surreal amidst a very strange year for everybody. So. Um, Yes, there's a lot going on. So it took, I think, more time than usual to sort of find my way with it. But uh, I utilized watercolor, which is my you know, usual medium. And then I wanted to really emphasize layers because we're in the forest. And, you know, there's all these dense layers of, of plants and trees and animals and foliage and all of that. Um, and so I explored a lot with that and palette. Uh, just getting more warmer greens and trying to move away from a lot of the blues that that I use. Uh, and then I did uh, harvest plants from the actual rainforest outside just the studio and dried them and then was able to use them as stencils, which was something I hadn't done before. Uh, and so that was a fun element. I feel like I'm, uh, you know, actually really incorporating the forest. one of the more challenging parts was had tied to that that idea of like coming home like I was talking about I was putting a lot of pressure on myself that really wasn't needed especially with like Caldecott pressure you're like oh my gosh I have so much to prove now when you really don't but you just we all do that to ourselves I think um so I think I uh just the self-talk and feeling like I had to get everything perfect and so there were so many restarts when it's never going to be perfect and you're always going to look through it and be like oh I should have done that different or why did I do that um so I think I I wasted a lot of time not wasted but slowed slowed myself down I think by um just thinking everything had to be perfect and I had if I messed up one thing I had to restart the whole the whole spread People love it. <laughs> uh, I, I, one of the reasons I chose berry picking as the sort of vehicle for the story, beyond just loving berries myself, <laughs> was because a lot of people love berries, and not just indigenous peoples. You know, it's it really transcends. Um, they may be traditional foods like they are for us as Tlingit people. Um, but there's so much there for all of us to learn. These activities, such as berry picking, or for us, you know, salmon harvesting, seaweed harvesting, herring egg harvesting, with the right, I think, um, mentality and intention, they are such openings to really become or start to belong to a place. And sure, you can think of it as 
uh, our resources, our extractive mindset, I suppose. But it's really all about a reciprocal relationship. Before we ended our conversation, I had to ask Michaela about her 2021 Caldecott medal-winning book, We Are Water Protectors, written by Carol Lindstrom, and what it was like getting the call from the Caldecott Committee. Uh, Well, I was creating the art back in 2018, I think is when we started, I think, sketches. And then maybe I was starting painting in end of 2018 into early 2019. Um, And was Caldecott on, I mean, I knew what it was, yes. Um, But that's about, I didn't know much else, I don't think, about the industry, really. That was my second book with a major trade publisher. so I was still learning a lot. I hadn't been to any conferences. I didn't really know who's who. Uh, I was in my own little world in, in at the time, Juneau, Alaska. And it's not like there's a, really a publishing community there or a bookmaker community. Um, so it's easy to kind of separate those worlds and to sort of forget about this bigger world. Uh, and so no, I didn't know much. I knew the Caldecott was. Um, but was that on my radar? Not at all. I thought maybe one day if I'm lucky, like I was just, and I still am, but at the time I was just over the moon to be like working on the second book. Like what? I get to keep doing this? Uh, so I was very much just focused in the, the present. Um, and at the time I had this little studio tucked into the woods on a beach and it was very quiet. We had it was in a remote spot. There was an ocean all around us. Um, I didn't really surface from that property for like 25 days or something and <laughs> when I was in the thick of the deadline. And then working on it, I remember feeling really excited because I felt like I'd made some really great uh, discoveries working on that book, like as an artist uh, and kind of finding something that felt like a bit more like my own. Um, cause like I said, that was still just my second book working with a major trade publisher. And you're, when you're starting out, I think a lot of times you're trying to appease a lot of folks cause you don't quite know what you as an illustrator or a bookmaker might be able to have some say in or things like that. And I worked with great people, but you're a little bit less focused or I was, I should say on like, what do I want to say or what's my style? So with water protectors, it sort of felt like that. Like I was beginning to learn that, um, and when the, the art was done, uh, I was finishing up until the last second and I had to get on a plane to go to my first book conference in New York, which was the Quayley, Quayley's Color of Children's Literature Conference. I finished, I was working on the plane, I was working at the airports, I was working at the Airbnb our first night, turned it in, and um, then we were able to show art the, the next day at Quayley. And I, I thought that some communities might really enjoy it. Uh, I thought it might be polarizing and so I you know I didn't really think that it might I had no idea I didn't think at all that it would be received as well as it was Uh, and I didn't have the Caldecott on the radar still for a long time until I people started mentioning like mock Caldecotts and I kept getting little notifications like that and I went what and was so honored and then just tried hard not to get any hopes up because it still seems so crazy. Well, because it was still, it was one of those two weird years that we had, um, the, our publisher, Macmillan Roaring Brick Press, 
our publicist Mary Van Eyck, and she was like, hey, uh, we want to do a Zoom call on Sunday night with the team. I didn't even think that was weird at all. I was like, okay, cool. She's like, we know it's been in some of the runnings, we think, but we just want to get on the same page and just like, you know, just like, just confer, just walk you through what ifs, but like, what if nots? And just, I was like, okay, yeah, sounds great. And uh, I was so glad I changed out of my pajamas and like brushed my hair and I log on and it's not just Mac Miller, the few faces I know. I was like, oh, they, they brought in more of the publishing team. Cool, I get to meet more folks that are working on the book. And then uh, that started, Anisha Jeffries, who was the chair, she started talking. And um, I kind of, uh, when I'm surprised like that, I just start to kind of go numb and like shake. And so that's, that's what happened. So that was on Sunday night. The, and then they announced it, I believe, Monday, very early in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Michaela Goad, for the interview. Thank you, Victoria Stapleton, for making it happen. Thank you to my co-host, Colby Sharp. Thank you, Philip Stead, for creating our theme music. Additional music for this episode from the Free Music Archive. Have an idea for the show? You can contact us via email at theyarnpodcast at gmail.com and visit us online at the School Library Journal website. I'm Travis Yonker. Thanks for listening.